محمد Allah has created us in this world only for the sake of us earning the next world. My Shaykh, he says a beautiful thing that we have not been sent to this world to live a good life. We have not been sent to this world to live a good life. We have been sent to this world to die a good death. That person who dies a good death means dies from the salihin, muttaqeen, zakirin, mu'mineen. Then Allah Ta'ala will give them a good life, an afterlife, an eternal life, a never-ending life of love and happiness and bliss and joy. But they have to die good death. Hmm? So many people they're worried that what's going to happen to my children after I die. Actually they should be worried that what's going to happen to my children after they die. After I die, so normally if a person expects that I will die at 70, 75, 80, so that means my children will already be in their 40s and 50s. So what's going to happen to my children after I die means what's going to happen to them in the last 20-30 years of their life. But the real question is what's going to happen to my children after they die? What's going to happen to my children in the afterlife? So Deen teaches us a completely different paradigm, a different way of understanding. Now all of this will be decided on one day. Allah Ta'ala mentioned on Yawmah. Remember that day. Prepare for that day. Live every single day of your life for the sake of that day. La yanfa'umal. That your money, wealth, property, possessions will be of no benefit to you whatsoever. Wala banoon. Literally your sons, your children, any worldly relations you have will be of no benefit to you whatsoever. No one will be happy on that day. No one will be saved on that day. No one will get the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on that day. Allah, except that person, man salim, who brings to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a pure heart. So it means our deen is all about the heart. Because our entire deen is for the sake of akhirah. Our entire deen will be examined on that day. And you would see in English translations of Surah Al-Fatiha, they normally translate Yom al-Din as the day of judgment, the day of reckoning. But if you look at in Arabic, the Arabic word is Deen. So literally speaking, it's the day of Deen. The day our Deen will count. The day our Deen will be assessed. The day our Deen will be examined. But, so it's the day of our Deen. 
But we have to work on our deen. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his infinite mercy and his guidance because Al-Hadi Al-Rahman Al-Rahim He gave us the answer beforehand. You know like if when we are a professor we take an exam and if before the exam I let the students know the answer so this is a very easy exam that you told us the answer beforehand. So Allah Ta'ala told the answer for the exam that will be taken on the Day of Judgment. The answer is called Qalbun Salim, a pure heart. But it's amazing that a lot of Muslims don't even know what this word is, Qalb. What is Qalb? Where is my Qalb? How do I make my Qalb Salim? What are the things that will prevent my Qalb from being Salim? This should be a main topic of discussion because this is the one and only answer accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Would you be amazed? Sometimes we have given this presentation and people have met us afterwards and they say, I never even knew that there was something called a qalb. I never even knew there was something called a spiritual art. Inshallah, your whole afterlife is going to be based on this. So they never knew. And I spent months or years not even preparing for this. I don't have any activity in my life to make this heart pure or to purify this heart. Hmm? So first understand, what is talb? So Allah Ta'ala has made insan, a human being, with number one, a physical form, which is your body. You have your limbs, organs, appendages. But Allah Ta'ala has made an inner aspect to us, which is our batin. So there are few words Allah Ta'ala has used in Quran. One is our aql, that is also inside us. One is our qalb, that's our spiritual heart, not our physical heart, that's our spiritual heart. One is our nafs, that's also inside of us. One is that's also not part of our body. So let's start with these three things. What is the aql, and what is the nafs, and what is the qalb? All three words come repeatedly in Quran. And Allah is ahkum al-hakimeen, He is the most wise of all wise beings. Every word is pointing to a reality and that reality is distinct and different from any other reality pointed by that word. So aql is the place where you think. Your mind, it's the seat of your khayal, khawatir, your thoughts and ideas. This is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your nafs is the seat of your desires. This can also be a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you make it into a nafs mutma'inna. If you desire what Allah Ta'ala desires, if you are pleased with what Allah Ta'ala is pleased with, this nafs is also a gift. Nafs. And the third is qalb. What does it mean, spiritual heart? Just like your physical body has a heart that the cardiologist studies, that pumps blood, your ruh also has a heart. The heart of the ruh is called qalb by Allah Ta'ala in Quran. Spiritual heart. It has nothing to do with physical heart. It may be possible a person dies of heart disease after quadruple bypass surgery. He may still have qalbun salim. He can still go to Jannah. It has nothing to do with physical heart. And there may be somebody who dies at the age of 90 or 100 with a perfect heart, physical heart, and he may go straight to Jannah. So it's not the physical heart. It's something else. Most of us didn't know that. Most of us said, okay, yes, I know I have a ru inside me. But your ru also is a heart. Just like for your physical self, the heart is the most critical organ, just like that for your spiritual self, for your ruh, the, the spiritual heart is the most critical organ. The most critical organ. Now, now that we know we have these three things, 
understand that every human being, every single human being, is going to make a choice in this life. Every human being. It doesn't matter what background, what religion, what community, atheist. Every human being is going to make a choice. And what is that choice? That they're going to make one of these three things, the qalb, the nafs, or the aql, the imam of their life. One of them will take priority in their life. So for example, some people, they make the choice to make the aql the imam of their life. Much of quote-unquote modernism, secularism is about this. That rationality, everything is about reason and rationality. Do what you find to be reasonable. Do what makes sense to you. Do what you can see. Believe what you can understand. There's all types of fancy philosophies organized around this concept to convince people to make the aql the imam of their life. Now understand that the aql is a tool. It's just like eyesight. I'll give you an example of eyesight. Now in order to see, you need two things. One is you need vision. But the second is you also need light. If you have perfect vision, but there's no light whatsoever, you will not be able to see anything. Just like that, aql is like vision. And the Qur'an and Sunnah is light. Wahi and Nabuwa is light. If you use the aql in the light of Qur'an and Sunnah, then you will be able to understand things beautifully. But if you try to use the aql without the light of the Qur'an and Sunnah, without wahi and nabuwa, without revelation and prophecy, you will not be able to perceive clearly. So a lot of people, they made that decision. They chose to make the aql the imam of their life. Now, then they have to design philosophies, and it's been going on for a couple of thousands of years. Unfortunately, some Muslims also made this mistake. They also chose to make the aql the imam of their life. So what they do is that if their mind understands something in deen, they will accept it. And if their mind does not understand something in deen, they will question it. So much so that we have led to, we have found some people who have been led to doubts and skepticism and even outright atheism just because they took one or two philosophy classes. I taught for six years at a university and I remembered a hadith of Nabi Yisrael that towards the end of time, one of the signs, of one of the many, many signs of the end of time is that a person will wake up as a believer and they will go to sleep having lost their imam. And another sign is that they will wake up without imam and they will go to sleep having found their imam. He said, one day they will make this journey. I saw both of these examples at university. Once a Muslim student, he came to my office and he said that uh, I have renounced my imam today. I was stumped. Why? He said, oh, I attended this philosophy class and the philosophy professor was questioning this and questioning that and I was sitting there, one hour class and I realized that I don't have the answer to these questions so I've given up my imam and I thought, you're the Muslim professor so I should come and tell you. Oh, Akbar, one class. Can you imagine how fragile a thread that imam is? That one lecture by one atheist can snap that person's imam. But why? It could only happen when he chose to make the aql the imam of his life. I will do what I understand. I will do what I think. I will do what comes in my mind. That didn't take place in one lecture. That was a whole educational system and upbringing which brought him to this idea that I will make the aql the imam of my life. 
once years of training taught him that, and yes, one person gave him a one-hour lecture based on Akal, and he chose to follow it all the way into the pits and the abyss of atheism. Al-Aman al so strange. So this is a mistake. This is not what our deen teaches us to make the aql the imam of our life. I don't have time to give you this, but this is a whole separate presentation of mine where I gathered this PowerPoint. Maybe I can leave it for the imam. So I gathered all the ayat in Quran where Allah mentions the word aql or aqalatakirun, And when you look at all of them together, you'll be amazed. And this is something any one of you can check because obviously Quran is accessible to all of you and now you can search it on internet and computer databases. Every single place in Quran where Allah Ta'ala mentions the use of akal, Allah Ta'ala is actually addressing non-believers. That can you not simply use your sense and reflect on the signs of Allah's creation and you will realize that there is a khalik, there is a malik, there is a creature beyond all this. But when a person accepts Iman, when a person accepts Iman, then it's not about Akal only, but it's called Akal and Mehad in Arabic. Now it's about Ilm. It's about Ilm of Quran, Ilm of Sunnah, the Ilm that Allah Ta'ala sent. Allah Ta'ala explains this beautifully. Allah Ma'insana Ma'lam Ya'lam. Allah Ta'ala is teaching humanity what they never knew and they never could have known. So that's something means it's beyond the range of their Akal. Beyond their own ability, they could have never discovered that. That is the ilm, that's the type of ilm Allah Ta'ala sends down in the Qur'an. And that's the type of ilm Allah Ta'ala gifted Nabi Kareem Sallallahu with, and he shared with the ummah. So this is a mistake to make the akul the imam of our life. Second choice some people made was to make the nafs the imam of their life. So in fancy English they call this hedonism. That I will do what makes me pleasurable. I will do what makes me happy. Now I'm sure in Ottawa you will find many people like that. Growing up in New York, we saw many people like that. And it would be amazing. So I grew up in Manhattan. So what you would see every weekday, you would see people coming down from their high-rise apartment buildings, going, I don't know how many feet, down to the ground of the subway, going down the subway, the four lines of Wall Street, going up and working extremely hard, working 8, 10, 12 hours a day, running multinational corporations, extremely educated, extremely talented, extremely skilled, extremely capable. And the same people, same people, not all of them are like this, but a fair majority is like this, at least in Manhattan, what I saw growing up, is the very same people, we used to call them suits, the very same people on Friday night going to bars, walking around Manhattan drunk like animals. Ya Allah, so much intelligence, so much capability, six-figure salary, so dynamic, running corporations, but they chose and made the nafta imam of their life. Then when they would meet on Monday, they would talk to each other about what type of sins they did that weekend. And if for some reason, some sin that they wanted to do, and they planned to do, they weren't unable to do it, they would be sad. And they would spend the whole rest of that week in anticipation for the next weekend that could fulfill the desire of their nafs. What is this life? This is called the life of the person who makes the nafs the imam of their life. So this is also something Allah Ta'ala mentioned in Quran. What is hawa? Hawa is the light whisperings of the nafs. It's not even nafs amara. It's the light, slight fancies of the nafs, the whims of the nafs. 
Allah says that don't you look, aren't you stunned? Don't you gaze at astonishment at such a person who has made the slightest whisperings of their nafs, their ilah, their god, their mabood. Hmm? And they have this expression in English, he's a creature of his desires and he's a slave to his desires. Abdul nafs, if you were to translate that in Arabic. He's a slave to his desires. So how did this slavery happen? It happened voluntarily. They chose to make the nafs the imam of their life. And again, unfortunately, many Muslims, an increasingly larger number of Muslims, and especially Muslims in Western countries, are making this decision to make the nafs the imam of their life. Hmm? We have so many cases like that, of Muslims caught up in drinking, and caught up in zina, and caught up in adultery, and caught up in infidelity, and caught up in affairs. And then when they come to you, and when they, and when they want to make toba even, what do they say? What happened to them? They say, oh, my nafs overcame me. I knew it was wrong. I didn't want to do it. I knew I shouldn't have done it. I was happily married. She was loyal to me. But my nafs overcame me. <laughs> Indeed, the nafs is Ammar. Ammar means supreme commander. Not Amir, Ammar. Supreme commander. It supremely commands me to do evil. Hmm? Some Muslims, they made this mistake. That they made the nafs the imam of their life. Now, nafs isn't just about lust. Nafs can be any desire. For some people, it's the lust for the world called greed. So, Nabiya Kareem, Sallallahu he tried to explain to us, that the love for the dunya, love for dunya, earning dunya, fine, working in dunya, fine, attaining excellence in dunya, fine, loving dunya, not fine. This is where Nabiya Kareem sallallahu drew the line. Otherwise Muslims can excel, they can attain. He also said sallallahu that Allah Ta'ala has mandated virtue, excellence and beauty in everything that you do. You must be an excellent, virtuous, noble, outstanding professional. But you can't love it. That's where the deen drew the line. Why? Because the love is for something else. Allah said that love is for Allah. And those who have iman, they're extremely intense in their love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what does it mean? Ashad, extremely intense. It means all their love and passion is for Allah or for the sake of Allah, lillah, fillah, in the name of Allah. Nothing else can move their heart. Hmm? Dunya for them is functional, such a function. Hmm? They can be a world-class neurosurgeon with the same level of function, the same way that a person may be a laborer. All the way, it's just a function. It's not passion. Passion is reserved for deen. But if we don't feel the passion for deen, then that part of us that needs passion, which is the nafs, that comes out in an unlawful desires. Unlawful desires. So it might be desire for money, might be lustful desire, might be desire for fame, name. There's so many different desires of the nafs. So this is another mistake. So then all this is then what's the correct answer? The correct answer was to make the qalm the imam of our life. To make the heart the imam of our life. Not the akal and not the nafs. To make the qalm the imam of our life. But what type of heart? That heart that was filled with the feelings of Quran and Sunnah. Listen to this sentence again. That heart that was filled with the feelings of Quran and the feelings of Sunnah. A lot of us, our relationship with Quran and Sunnah 
is just at the level of wordings. Means we recite the words of Quran. Maybe some people even memorize the words of Quran. But that level one, wordings of Quran. Some people they go a bit deeper, they have level two. Level two relationship is called meanings, meanings of Quran and the meanings of Sunnah. So maybe they understand, let's say they know the knowledge of tafsir, explanation of Quran. Maybe they learn Arabic language or they study Quran in translation in their own language. So they know the meanings. But the real relationship with Quran and the real relationship with the Sunnah of Nabi Kareem is the feelings. So the perfect example I will give you, and any one of you can apply this test on yourself, not on anybody else, but you can only apply this test on yourself, is Surah Al-Fatiha. All of you would know the wordings, and I'm pretty sure 99% of you would most likely know the meanings. So you know the wordings? Yes. You know the meanings? Yes. How many times do you feel the feelings when you recite it? For example, when you recite, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, is your heart bursting with praise for Allah SWT? Do you really feel it from the bottom of your heart that I'm praising Allah SWT? Or do you just roll over the words? Hmm? It's a question you ask yourself. Hmm? When you say, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, hmm? is your heart melting because you're talking about the mercy of Allah SWT? Do you know the difference between Ar-Rahman and Ar-Rahim? Can your heart feel the different feeling and the different flavor? Or do you just recite it? When you say Malik, Malik Yawmiddin, that's a big change in feeling. You see, to talk about Allah Ta'ala that He's Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, that's a different feeling. That He's all merciful and all mercy giving. Then to talk about Allah Ta'ala in a different attribute, that He's Malik. He's the master, owner of the Day of Judgment. Hmm? There will be a caller on the Day of Judgment who will ask, to whom belongs the dominion, power, sovereignty, rule on this day? Lillah. Only and only to Allah. Al-Wahid. That one and only Allah. Al-Qahar. That dominating, overpowering, almighty Allah. It should change. It's a different feeling. There's no way you can have the same feeling when you recite Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim and Maliki Yawm How many people can say? Don't say to me. You think about it yourself. Is your relationship with Surah Al-Fatiha the feelings? Is it only the meanings? Or is it only the wordings? It's for you to think about it. Hmm? Where did the feelings part come? That's called Qalb. That's called So the Aqal is the seat of the thoughts. The Nafs is the seat of desires. And the Qalb of the spiritual heart, that's the place of feelings. Feeling of Iman. Feeling of love for Allah Subhanahu Where is this feeling? It's on the mind. It's in the heart. Hmm? Who gets that feeling of Maliki or Medin? It's in the heart. Our tongue is there in Salah. Everybody's tongue is making liquor in Salah. Our body is making liquor. Or your body goes all the way down, makes sajda. But then people say, I don't feel anything in Salah. So what was missing? Your kalb. <laughs> it's a very easy test. You want to know, do I have kalb in Salah? You just check your Salah. You five times a day you will check. You know like the diabetes patient, he's checking his blood, and if it's severe, sometimes he checks it once a day, twice a day. Hmm? So you can imagine, huh? That salah is five times, prick your finger and you check. Hmm? Yeah. You check how many feelings you have for Allah Ta'ala in your heart. Hmm? Now okay if somebody said, No, 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 I always feel every now and then, occasionally, once every two, three months it happens to me. 
that I pray a salah and I was so busy, but there was such a big meeting at work, right, such a big exam, so in that salah I don't feel anything. It happens to me once every two, three months. That's okay, that's normal. Normal person. Don't worry, don't panic. You're not sick. It just happens to you once every two, three months. Who can tell them about themselves? Most people, they, even I'm talking to you, you're the people who pray. This is a vast, large group of people who don't even pray five times a day. And then there's a group of people who don't come to masjid. But I'm telling you from my experience that even those people who pray five times a day and frequent the masjid, they also say that I don't feel anything in my salah. Is something serious or not? Hmm? You should be serious. Now let's look at your physical self. If you didn't feel something physically, for example, if your tongue lost its sense of taste, so you could no longer tell is something sweet, something sour, is it hot, is it cold, what would you do? The very first time this happens to you, you would go straight to a doctor. Now if the doctor told you that, oh my friend, brother, it's okay, your lung and heart is fine, kidney is fine, you make sugar to Allah, don't worry, your tongue doesn't feel anything, don't worry. So what would you say? You say, doctor, alhamdulillah, my heart, lung, kidney is fine, but my tongue needs to feel I need to be able to taste sweet and sour. I need to taste hot and cold. You would not accept this explanation. Allah. Would you? You would never accept it. You would go to a second doctor. You would go to a third doctor. You would be lining up an acupuncture, sticking your tongue out, put needles in, do anything you can. I need the feeling back. Hmm? Why? Because I don't want to even have one bland meal where I can't taste. You can't have one bland meal and you can pray five bland salah day after day of your life. Is that disturbing you? Hmm? Lack of taste. Hmm? Can, you, can you taste the difference between ruku and sujood? Have you ever asked an alam in ruku, why do we say subhanahu rabbi al-adheem? And in sujood we say subhanahu rabbi al-a'la. What's the wisdom there? Why al-adheem and ruku and al-a'la and sujood? Are these the things you think about? Is this what you're interested in? Master women are also listening. If they make the recipe, they want to know. If it doesn't turn out right, they call all their friends. What was I supposed to do? I must have missed some ingredient. There must be some extra flavor, some extra taste. <coughs> She'll make sure she cooks it better the second time. MashaAllah, your attitude for food is like that. That when you cook it the second time, it should be better. And then when you pray the next time, you just make it better the next time. All of this is signed that a person doesn't have kalbun siling. You don't have to look anywhere else, you have to look right inside yourself because the gulb is inside our self. You imagine how sick that heart must be that it says, I can't feel anything in Salah. I'll give you an example again of the tongue. If the person says, I can't taste sweet, I say, okay, you take a full spoon of sugar. It says, I still can't taste it. I get honey, I pour the jar. It says, I still can't taste it. I tell you, you're really sick. It's the same thing with us. You poured the jar of honey, you heard adhan, you felt nothing. You said Allahu Akbar, you still felt nothing. You recited all Surah Fatah, you poured a whole ton of honey, you say, I still felt nothing. You went down to sujood, you poured another kilo of sugar, I still felt nothing. Hmm? How disease is that heart? Hmm? It's something people should be concerned about. Hmm? In the dunya, mashallah, people take so much pride. I excel at what I do. I'm so good at my job. Hmm? If you make a small mistake and your boss tells you, Oh boss, I'm so happy you told me. I'm going to make sure this mistake ever happens again. Hmm? And you don't take any pride in your salah. 
You're not interested in the quality of your salah. You're so quality conscious about everything in the world. When you buy a watch, you research on Amazon which quality to buy. When you buy a car, you research which models to buy. When you think of what home to buy, what neighborhood to live, what school to send your children. Every single thing you have in your entire life, you care about its quality. Is it only the ibadah that one and only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you don't care about its quality anymore? Hmm? A man tells his son, that oh son, I migrated to Canada and for the past 30 years, I never missed a day at work. Alhamdulillah. Yes, this is teaching of deen. You should teaching of deen. But can that same man tell his son that for 30 years I never missed Fajr Salah? So the shame at not being able to say that should be greater than your pride at being able to say this. Hmm? And my son, that for 30 years, son, I never made a dishonest penny. I never lied. Alhamdulillah. This is the teaching of deen. But can you say to your son that for 30 years I never cast a dishonest glance? Hmm? Can you say that? Allah. Then where's the balance? Hmm? This is a mythical balance. You want to be balanced in dunya and deen, you should excel at both. What type of balance is this? That you excel in dunya and mediocre in deen. This is not balance. There's no balance. Think about this. I know I've come to you for the first time. I'm shaking you up a little bit. <laughs> but what can I do? Allah, well, I'm African to see the people of Ottawa again here for one night, less than 24 hours. <laughs> I have to tell you about the real mission. The real mission is our heart. Real mission, Allah. Allah, for what Allah subhanahu wa says, Allah. When he says Allah in Quran, it means there is no other answer. There is no other way to succeed on the day of judgment. You must bring to Allah Ta'ala Qalbun Saleem this pure Must. All of the Salah is to make that happen. All of Deen is to make it happen. All of Hidayah is to make it happen. There's an objective. There's a goal. People again, they love to talk about the dunya like that. To leave a goal-oriented life. Have objectives, have vision, have mission. Ya Allah. Allah Ta'ala is giving you an objective. Allah Ta'ala is giving you a goal. Hmm? To get this pure heart. To get this pure heart. So like I told you, then the right choice was to make the qalb the imam of our lives. Make the qalb the imam of your life. Fill your heart with feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Such that you melt when you say Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Such that you tremble when you say Maliki Yomindeed. Fill your heart with feelings for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then put those feelings ahead and you follow. Everything will be just fine. Just fine. Now Allah Ta'ala said two things to create these feelings. One is Qur'an. Qur'an Al-Kareem is the book that describes those feelings. And the second was Nabi Al-Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He was the person who had those feelings. Yes. Qur'an. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَشَدُّهُمْ بَلِلَّهِ Nabi Al-Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, lover of Allah Ta'ala. Qur'an. You must have fear of Allah Ma'na Khashi Ar-Rahman Ibn Ghayr. Nabi Al-Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, person who felt the feeling of fear. He felt the feeling. So when he taught Sahaba Ikram, he taught Sahaba the feelings. So I gave you one example of the wordings and meanings of Quran. Listen to one example from Hadith. Because another problem. Some people they think that you just need to have a bookshelf of Hadith. Bookshelf of Hadith isn't going to get you to the Day of Judgment. The feelings of Hadith will get you to the Day of Judgment. For example, the Vyakini Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, 
کن فی دنیا کا انہ کا غریب اواب السبیل Okay, now what do you think? You think Sayyidina Muhammad, I don't know when he heard this, he's going to write it down, and he comes back to Nabiya Kareem Sallam the next day, Ya Rasulullah Sallam, look, I wrote it down. Kun fi dunya ka'annaka gharib, live in this world, be in this world like a stranger, or just to travel on the path. No, the Prophet Sallam said that, give me that piece of paper, put that piece of paper away, I don't want you to tell me the words. I want you to bring me that life lived in such a way that you feel like this. How many of us feel like that? Hmm? Be in this world like you're a stranger to it. It's not the be all and end all. It's not home sweet home. Gharib. It's a stranger to you and you're a stranger to it. You're just a traveler on the path. How many of us feel that? How many of us feel a dunya al-sitinal mu'min? How many of us feel like that? Huh? Nobody feels like that anymore. Quran and Sunnah is about feelings. All about the feelings. If you have the wordings, alhamdulillah, that's a blessing. Don't get me wrong. You need the ill. If you have the meanings, alhamdulillah, but you must complete the mission. Like today, they will train you in the corporate world, project management. You must have follow-up and follow-through. This is the whole when they realize that people have this problem that they can't complete what they start. So they've created a whole field called project management that you must teach them to follow up and follow through and complete. So same thing in our being. Wordings, step one. Meaning, step two. But you must go all the way. Step three, you must get the feelings. Feelings are in this heart. Feelings are in the gulf. Now one way Allah Ta'ala has made this easy for us. Because deen is a deen of fitrah. That means that deen is perfectly designed for the human being, and the human being has been perfectly designed for deen. One way Allah has made this easy for us is He has naturally made the qalb the imam of our life. So I will explain. Whenever the aql wants to decide what it wants to think about, it will look to the heart. And whatever feelings are in the heart of that person, it will start thinking thoughts accordingly. For example, if the aql looks in the person's heart and sees that this person has love for dunya, love for money, so what will happen? The mind will always be thinking about it all the time. This person's mind will be thinking about money, how to make money, checking his accounts, checking his investments, checking this, checking that. His mind will always be thinking those things because the mind took its cue from the heart. This person has love for these things in his heart. So the mind says, okay, I will think about whatever is in the heart. Okay, give you more direct example. If a person has a love for a ghair mahram, it means unlawful love for a person of opposite gender outside nikah in their heart. So what's going to happen? The mind will always be thinking. So if it's a man, he will always be thinking about her. So that's what they say. I can't stop thinking about her. Yeah, you can't stop thinking about her until you get her out of your heart. As long as she's in your heart, you will always be thinking about her. Always. Guaranteed. It's fitrah. That's what has made you this way. Your akal is going to follow your heart. The heart is the imam. Same thing with nafs. So if the nafs wants to decide what it is going to desire, what is it going to do? It will look in the heart. Maybe it sees in the heart the person has good love, good feelings. There's love for Allah Ta'ala. person wants to be from salihin. person wants to be from muqtaheen. person wants to be zakirin. Then the nafs is the nafs. It's not only evil. So the nafs will desire, the nafs will desire to wake up for tahajjud, as an example. 
It's the nasal desire to make a protection. No alarm. You know, the, the alarm has been invented maybe 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Our whole ummah and all the stories of all the great Mufassirin, Muhammadin, waking up for half the night, one third the night. There's no alarm for that. It was their nafs. Their nafs desired. Their nafs desired it. They had thirst. They had the thirst and yearning. Why? Because the nafs on the heart. This person loves Allah Ta'ala. This person loves to worship Allah Ta'ala. This person heard hadith that Allah Ta'ala sends a caller as a call issued out in the last of the Halmin Sa'il. Is there anyone asking that I can grant to the Halmin Mustaqfir? Anybody seeking forgiveness, I may forgive them. So the person got, his heart was affected by it. He wants to be there in the last of the night. It's, it's the nafs desire. This is called nafs al-mutmainna. Again, if the nafs sees bad feelings in the heart, hmm? again, so let's say feelings for ghair mahram, so the nafs will have desires for that, nafs will have lust for that, the nafs will also look at the heart. So actually, Allah Ta'ala made it natural for us to make the heart the imam of our nafs. Then when Allah Ta'ala mentioned the Qur'an, where was the Qur'an revealed? Where was the Qur'an revealed? The Qur'an was revealed on the Qalb of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi That indeed Jibreel, he brought Qur'an to the heart of Nabi Kareem sallallahu The Qur'an revealed by Allah to the heart of the Prophet sallallahu Then for me and you, inna fi zalika the dhikra liman kana Allah says in this Qur'an there is a dhikra, nasiha, there is a guidance, an admonishment, a reminder. But for who? For that person who has a heart. Hmm? So that's a different relationship with Quran. Like Allah told in the very beginning in Surah Baqarah, first of all, Yes, it's also There's one level of guidance that everybody can get. But there's another level of hidayah that muttaqeen gets. When are me and you going to get that hidayah? We're from the ummah. I'm Hudanlin Nas is for everybody, believer or non-believer. Me and you should have been eager, okay, I got that Hidayah also, but I want that Hidayah, Hudanlin Muttaqeen. I want to make myself Muttaqeen so I get that Hidayah. What is that Hidayah? Ya Allah, make Dua Allah. Ya Rabbi, grant me that Hidayah that you mentioned in the Quran, you gave to Muttaqeen. Grant me that Taqwa so I can become from those Muttaqeen. This is the thing a person is supposed to be dreaming about. Our dreams and our Duas are also all about dunya now. And it's 100% done, you can make dua for dunya. In fact, Allah wants you to ask dunya from him. Nabi Yaqeen said that even if your shoelace snaps, you should ask Allah Ta'ala. It's 100%. But where's the balance? You should also be making dua to Allah Ta'ala for deen. Also be making dua to Allah for taqwa. Give you an example. If a person has some problem at work, mashallah, he makes a lot of dua to Allah Ta'ala. He's going to make everything fine at work, make the job fine. And if he loses his job, loses his job, then he makes a lot of dua to Allah, get me another job, get me risk halal. He should do all of that. But then when he loses his haya, when he looks at something on the screen he shouldn't have looked at, when he loses his temper, he spoke words he shouldn't have spoken. So how come that loss didn't affect him? How come he didn't stand at night and cry to Allah about this? He was crying to Allah when he lost money. Say, Ya Allah, give me a job. He should do that. But how come he doesn't cry to Allah when he lost his hayah, lost his taqwa, had a lapse in sunnah, missed fajr salah? Why doesn't he cry to Allah for that? Hmm? 
once or twice tonight, I will say one or two sentences in Urdu, just for the pleasure of the people who are here who know that language and for my own self. It will be something I've already said in English or something I will say immediately after in English, so you won't miss anything. Right? Allah all I want is you. This is also the Allahumma inni as minka iya. Allah. I want you. This is my dua. This can also be the Yalla, I have asked you for home, asked you for job, and you gave me all of that. Mashallah, many of you actually have all of that. Alhamdulillah. Allah Ta'ala gave you risk, and He gave you employment, and He gave you health, and He gave you roof, and He gave you spouse, and He gave you children. Sometimes, every now and then, you can make this dog. That Ya Allah, tonight I ask, I just want you. I want to be close to you, dear to you, true to you, loyal to you, loving to you, beloved to you. Hmm? Honored by you, inna akramakum indallahi atkaakum, atkaakum. Look at this vision of the Quran. Akram and atka. A word of a life? What a beautiful life. Become akram and atka. Become atka and akram. Hmm? Become atka in this world, you'll be akram forever. Hmm? You have to make these dolls. It has to be on the wish list. It has to be in the heart. These are the things missing from the heart. That's why I felt the commitment today. Hmm? So all of this is the emphasis on the heart. Now I want to show you a few verses from Quran of Tareem. Where Allah Ta'ala has mentioned, you can basically classify this into three types of heart. Broadly speaking, that Allah Ta'ala has mentioned in Quran. The first type of heart, in Arabic you can call the Qalbun Mayyit. It's the dead heart. What does it mean dead? Spiritually dead. Not physically dead, spiritually dead. How is it spiritually dead? It doesn't have Iman. Iman is the life of the heart. So that heart that doesn't have any Iman, that heart is viewed as a dead heart. That heart is viewed as a dead heart. So Allah mentions this in few ways in Quran. Different, different metaphors, different similes. So first example Allah gives is the blind heart. It's also very important to tell you that Allah says that if only they had hearts, that they understood by means of their heart. Because that's what a believer does. He doesn't, he doesn't understand from his mind. He understands from his heart. Allah is saying that if only they could have been like that, then they would have been guided. But they don't. They don't have those hearts. Or if they had ears that they listened intently and openly to the revelation of Quran. If only they had done that, but they don't, so what? It's not their eyes that are blind. So their eyes can see. It's the hearts in their breasts that have become blind. You can't be physical heart. You ask a doctor, there's no concept like that. That physical heart becomes blind. It's spiritual heart. What does it mean spiritual heart becomes blind? So they've lost their basira. What is basira? Basira means their insight, they're forgone. They can't tell anymore. Something was not good for them. It's vice, it's sin, it's kudur. But they do it anyway. They don't realize anymore. They do a sin. 
They can't feel the sting, the pain of that sin. And in this case, they disbelieve in Nabi Kareem sallallahu They see the Prophet sallallahu They know he's a sadiq, they know he's al-ameen, but they can't take iman in him. Their hearts have become blind. Their eyes can perceive, but their hearts have become blind. So what is Allah saying in the Quran? The blind heart. One type of heart is the blind heart. Then the second way Allah explains this is the sealed heart. يَتَبَ اللَّهُ عَلَى كُلْنِ قَلْبٍ مُتَكَبَّرٍ جَبَّارٍ Then Allah said, اللَّهُ عَلَى قُلُوبِهِمْ Allah Ta'ala set a seal on their heart. Sealed heart. Hmm? What does it mean? Sealed from ever being able to receive and respond to Hidayah. Now understand, Allah Ta'ala never does this initially. What happens is Allah Ta'ala gives a person Hidayah. They ignore it. He gives a person Hidayah. They ignore it. They keep ignoring it, keep ignoring it. They themselves on their own keep choosing the wrong path, keep on choosing, keep on choosing. Then not even for everyone, and Allah Ta'ala knows best, but for some people, Allah Ta'ala says, okay, fine. You want that path? I set you on that path. And when Allah Ta'ala sets a person on that path, there is no hope for that person anymore. Hmm? <laughs> Whom servant Allah sets further on the wrong path that they've already chosen, steel heart. But now, this isn't just for the unbeliever. Because in the second verse I mentioned to you, what Allah On the heart of every mutakabbir, whether they're believer or non-believer. This could now include some of us. Some of us from the Ummah. That's not just for the Kufar. Every mutakambir and every every arrogant, prideful, haughty person, every jabbar, every oppressive person, everyone Allah Ta'ala will set a seal on their heart. That's why Nabi Akhirin Sallallahu said, if you have one fuzalla, one atom weight of kibar, you can't go to Jannah. Now who's going to examine that? Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala's microscope. Who can hide under that? Mithqala, zarra, zarra, atom weight, particle, one particle of kibber. Hmm? Where's that kibber? Yes, in the heart. This is also all, all about the heart. Some people can be secretly arrogant. Some people may outwardly be arrogant. Hmm? This is the difference that, between kibber and takabur. Kibber means to feel arrogance in your heart. Takabur means to act arrogantly with others. Oh, no. They said that even if a person has kibber, even if they feel it in their heart, even if they don't do the kibber, even if they just have kibber, they will never, ever, never, never, ever, ever be able to do it. So blind heart, sealed heart, mutakabbir heart, jabbar heart, these are four ways Allah Ta'ala explains this. And the fifth way Allah Ta'ala mentions this heart in Quran is a hard heart. Hard heart. Then your hearts became hardened. After what you used to do. After these sins and things. After these sins that you used to do. They become like rocks, like boulders. Or even harder than that. Hard heart. Hard heart. Tough guy. Always angry. Always sour. Cannot accept Nasiha. Not accept advice. Hard heart. Hard heart. The blind heart. A hard heart. Sealed heart. 
arrogant heart, overwhelming heart. Hmm? This is one class of heart Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Quran. May Allah Ta'ala save us from this and Allah protect us from this. Hmm? One of the signs of this, that the ulama of the shaykh are mentioning some signs. First sign is this person who has this hard heart, blind heart, dead heart. This person no longer has any longing for akhirah. They're not interested in akhirah anymore. As opposed to what Allah Ta'ala said, مَنْ يَرْجُ ذَكَاءُ اللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخَرِ The person who yearns to meet Allah, yearns for day judgment, the person no. He doesn't like talking about Akhira. He doesn't want people to talk to him about death, or day judgment, or afterlife, or anything like that. He doesn't want to hear it. It's a sign they have this blind heart, hard heart, hard heart. Hmm? Second, is when the heart becomes blind, and the heart becomes hard, and the heart becomes dead, so the heart can no longer be the imam of that person, the guest who comes, the nafs. Nafs is the imam of the sign that the heart is dead. Those people who make the nafs the imam of their life. You will find if a person starts talking like this, that I had to follow my pleasures, slave to my pleasures, creature of desires, I couldn't help myself, I couldn't control myself. It's all signs that the person has a hard heart. Maybe they have the death Once hmm? Hassan al-Basri, Mulatala, he was giving a talk in the greatest of the Tabi'in, one of the greatest bridge between Sahaba and Tabai Tabi'in. You know this person, his name was Hassan, and Sayyidina Ali, when he was Khalifa al-Rasul, when he was Imam Mu'mineen, in the fourth caliphate, he sent Hassan to Basra. And he wrote the people of Basra a letter. He said, I'm sending Hassan to you, you will all learn your deen from him. Just like Sayyidina Rasulullah he said, Ma'adim the Jabal, Yemen. And he wrote people, Yemen. And she did write, but he told, sent a message to the people of Yemen, I'm sending Ma'adim the Jabal to you. You will all people of Yemen take your deen from one Ma'adim the Jabal. The same thing said, he sent Hassan to Basra. He came as Hassan of Basri. And he was that Tabi who did long life, and he taught many Tabai Tabi. Many Tabai Tabi. So once he was speaking to some of them, Tabai Tabi, and then young man came to him afterwards. And said, Oh, Hassan Basri Shaykh, make dua for me. He said, What? He said, Oh, I'm worried that my heart is sleeping. I'm worried that my heart is sleeping. He said, What makes you have that worry? He said, Because you were talking about Allah Ta'ala, you were saying, Call Allah Ta'ala, telling me verses from the Quran. Then you said, Call Rasulullah, he said, Allah, there's something you told me, verse uh, Hadith from the Sunnah, and it had no effect on me. It had no effect on me. So he said, Young man, you should not be worried that your heart is sleeping. You should be worried that your heart is dead because if something is sleeping, when you shake it, it wakes up. So if your heart was sleeping and I recited Quran, it would have woken up. You know, look at Allah, what is the If your heart was sleeping and I recited the words of the Prophet, your heart would have woken up. So you should be worried not that your heart is sleeping, you should be worried that your heart is dead. Hmm? So they mentioned this is another sign. That they hear Quran, Sunnah, they hear this in Jumma Khutbah and Matrik. But it doesn't change them. Their life doesn't change. Or they go on Umrah, they come back, they don't change. Or they go on Hajj, they come back, they don't change. Or they fast all three days of Ramadan and within the month of Shawwal, they go back to the day. It's still Shawwal, you know. You want, you want to tell you how you can test, test yourself, no one else. How you can test yourself. How much Ramadan affected you. You just look in your heart and you see how long ago do you feel Ramadan was? What do you feel? You feel it was three weeks ago, then you're doing okay. You feel no Ramadan. 
Allah Dham feels like it was months ago. If you feel like that, huh? you feel like that, that Ramadan was months ago, then it means there's a big problem. Big problem. You lost it. You lost some of that nur, barakah you got in Ramadan. It's not about time, it's your spiritual distance that you're expressing. When you say, I feel like Ramadan was a long time ago, sometimes it's, it's just shawal, it's not even a month yet. We're still in shawal. I don't know what in Canada is, maybe 1920s shawal, right? I have a way here, maybe I can tell you. Shawal. 20th shawal. Hmm? 20th, that's it. Hmm? What do you feel? Hmm? If you feel no, I think Canada yeah, looks like Ramadan was a long time ago. Means you are far spiritually distant from who, mashallah, you became in Ramadan. Because you did the fasting and maybe many you prayed tarawih and you made dua, sadqa. Alhamdulillah, you got something, you got that taqwa. But if you feel far from Ramadan, means you got far from that taqwa. Hmm? Don't change. It's stubborn. You come back. It's like the doctor, he treats the infection with antibiotic and it's stubborn. So he says it came back. <laughs> There's a relapse. Hmm? Oh, but for people, they get this relapse in shawal. Hmm? How many people have already missed the first prayer yet? How many have already made kadaf, some fajr, some prayer? How many have already missed their gaze? How many have already been angry with their wife? Huh? How many sins have we already done? After spending 30 days of intensive training, already. Hmm? Look at your dunya. Huh? Imagine if your corporate company sent you on 30 days of training. Huh? And then within the first month, you mess up. They say, what's the matter with you? We sent you an annual annual training. We sent you a 30 days all expense paid annual training. You're supposed to come back a new dynamic manager and you're supposed to be like that all year. Hmm? Huh? No, but this is our loyalty to Dunya. I you say, sir, no, you're right. Hmm? You're absolutely like 30 days you sent me on training. Huh? Hmm? I should have promotion, actually. Huh? We should have been promoted. Huh? From ordinary mu'mineen to salihin, from salihin to muttaqeen, from muttaqeen to siddiqeen, from siddiqeen to awliya. Should have come some promotion. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Did Ramadan change our heart? Yes, it changed our diet. It changed our timetable. Did it change our heart? That you can tell in Shawwal. That you can tell yourself. Right now, 20th Shawwal, you can check yourself. You will be able to tell the Ramadan change your heart. All of these are signs. All of these. Another sign is that this person, they no, no longer feel hesitation in sinning. They sin without hesitating. See, what happens when the believer sins for the first time, he feels shame. It's called Nadman He feels remorse, regret. He feels bad. Even that shame, Nabi Akhirin Sallallahu Alaihi Even the remorse is counts as Tawbah. But what happens if he repeats the sin? So when he repeats the sin, he feels less shame. Now when a person does sin, obviously do the sin either for pleasure or benefit. So if you look at my hands, the first time they did the sin, so that should be left hand, they felt some level of pleasure benefit. But if they were a nice, good believer, the shame they feel is greater than the pleasure. The shame is great. But if they repeat the sin, the shame goes down. If they repeat it, the shame goes down. If they repeat it such that the shame becomes less, the shame becomes less than the pleasure and benefit, then they become an addict. Now they repeat. You know, like in criminal law, we call it repeat offender. The judge is never lenient on that type of criminal. But this is repeat offender. 
Repeat a hundred. Hmm? Some of us were like that. Sign the dead hand. Sign the person is the hard one. Hmm? Then they find doing good acts, a'malu salih, ibadat, a burden. They find it difficult. Can't do it. You ask them to recite one juz of Quran, can't do it. You ask them to watch a two hour movie, they can do it. In fact, they can watch the two hour movie and the second it's done, they can pop the other one. They're ready. If I say recite one juz, okay, read the second one. They say, huh, say it. I didn't have read one juz. Read the second one. Love it. If you watch the movie, I say, watch the second one. I say, okay. The sun, dead heart, hard heart. You find it a burden. Even some well-intentioned believers, you know, you can check this. For example, so tomorrow's Friday, sometimes people, because the Nabiya Kareem, some of them mention virtual second Surakkan on Friday, that your sins for that week will be forgiven. Look how easy Allah Ta'ala made. Ya Allah. And Allah Ta'ala, there's no balance in His mercy. It's incredible. It should be okay if I did sins for one week, maybe I should worship for one week. No. All one week of sin, you can get forgiven by reciting. Surakah, maybe that takes you what, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, max. You know, Hadith and Sahih Muslim, the Bihakarim Sallallahu said that if you recite this dua, Allahumma ajinni minan nar, that's it, seven times. Allahumma ajinni minan nar, Allahumma ajinni minan nar, Allahumma ajinni minan nar, Allahumma ajinni minan nar. Allahumma ajirni minan nar Allahumma ajirni minan nar Allahumma ajirni minan nar Seven times after Fajr And seven times after Maghrib So if you die in the day, you won't go to Jahannam You recite after Fajr And if you die in the night, you won't go to Jahannam That's it Okay, so easy People don't do it They can't do it They can't do it It took ten seconds, I did it in front of you Fifteen, thirty seconds, what did it take? People, they don't do it it's not so easy. It's not just enough that you want to be saved from Jahannam. It has to be Allah Ta'ala wants to save you from Jahannam. When Allah Ta'ala wants to save you from Jahannam, He will give us Tawfiq to recite this after Fajr and Maghrib every day of our life. And actually what happen like that, that the day or night that we die, Allah Ta'ala will make, take our soul on such a day that we recite it after Fajr or take our soul at such a night that we recite it at Fajr. This is Tawfiq from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. You have to beg for this. Don't just think, Akul Masayim so easy. You may even be thinking, I'm telling you, you may be thinking right now, he told me it's such an easy thing, I want to do it. Believe me, you won't be able to do it. Yeah, yeah. You won't be able to do it. You will do it for one, two, three days, then you'll stop. This is Tawfiq from understand your deen. Understand, being deen is given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have to beg for it. You have to beg for it. You have to keep begging for it. Hmm? How fortunate are those people who they recite this dua? <laughs> every day, Fajr, every day, mother. Hmm? With a hard heart, he finds it difficult. Here, second type of heart. Second type of heart is the diseased heart. Diseased heart. The skalbul marid. The sinning heart. And indeed, this person is this heart that sins. So Allah is attributing the sin to the heart. It's his heart that was a sinner. Their heart was diseased, and as Allah increased their disease, then 
But that person in whose heart is this disease, they will lust for non-memory. That you should speak to Sahaba behind the partition. Who are being addressed? The greatest women out of all of humanity. Ummahatul Mu'mini. And the greatest men after Anbiya, after Anbiya, the greatest humans ever are called Sahaba Ikram. Greatest humans after Anbiya, Sahaba Ikram. So they're being told what? Hmm? That you should speak to each other in a careful way. Hmm? So now you tell me. For any of the women today, like Ummahatul Mu'mini, impossible. Because they're Sahabiyah, and nobody can reach the level of Sahaba. And even the men today, like Sahaba, impossible. Hmm? But no, we want to softly, sweetly, romantically talk to each other. Not possible. Hmm? What will happen? That person who has marad, who has sickness in their heart, they will feel the feeling of lust. Khair, so this is a, another type of heart then, diseased heart. So what are the signs of this person? So again, Ulama Mashaikh makes some signs. Sign number one is that this person is in flux. Sometimes they spend their life under the wali of Allah. Really, they're a good person. They do ibadah, they have sabr, they have good character, they have good service to community. So they have that aspect of their life. But because they have some disease also, there's another aspect of their life. Maybe they have anger, maybe they have greed, maybe they have lust, maybe they mistreat somebody in family. There's something there because they have this, there's a disease in them. There's a sickness in them. So they're mixed. They're mixed person. Now what happens, like any other sickness, sometimes the sickness flares up. So the same thing happens to this person. He says that many days I'm fine, but sometimes the sickness flares up. I get a bout of anger, fit of lust. Hmm? All of this is a sign that the person has the diseased heart. person has the diseased heart. So we should remember Allah Allah made it clear in Quran, مَا جَعْلُ he joked that Allah Ta'ala has not put two hearts in any person's chest. You can't be two-faced. That one heart is for Allah Ta'ala in public, and one heart I privately do so. So the way to test this really is how we behave in private. This is a big test for the person. How does a person behave in private? Private means when you're alone. Maybe at night, maybe it's weekend, maybe it's your own office, maybe it's your own bedroom. How do you behave when you're alone? It's all about the heart. The only thing that can save you when you're alone is your heart. And this is what Allah Ta'ala thinks about. Man al-khashiyya al-rahman al-bil-ghayb. means Allah Ta'ala unseen. Right? And one feeling of that is when a person is alone, you're never alone. Understand this. There's no such thing as being alone. When you're alone, it just means this. That you and Allah are one on one. Yes, our children know this. One on one basketball. When you are alone, you go one on one with Allah. Allah Akbar. So the people who understood this, what would their feeling be in their heart? Hashia. Hashia. It's awe, reverence, fear. Hmm? Now it's amazing. Which attributes does Allah Ta'ala mention in this verse of Quran? Because some people they think Allah Ta'ala is Ar Rahman. He's all merciful. So why should you fear? So Allah Ta'ala is telling feelings, feelings. How should you feel 
Now that you know that Allah Ta'ala is Ar-Rahman, Allah Ta'ala tells us, Man khashir Rahman. Khashir. Now imagine that that Allah Ta'ala, one and only Allah Ta'ala, who wants, when we think about him as Ar-Rahman, to feel khashir, to feel fear, then how in the world would that believer feel if he was to think about Allah Ta'ala? That he's Al-Aziz, Al-Jambar, Al-Mutakabbir, Dhu Intikam, Dhu Jalali Wal Ikram. How would the heart of the believer feel then? Mana Khashir Rahman This is the feeling. Nothing can save you. I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart. Nothing can save me and nothing can save any of you from sinning when you're alone and private except for the feeling of fear of Allah in your heart. Nothing. 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 Only the feeling of fear in the heart. Allah made it clear in Quran. Man qafu maqamad bihi wa nahan nafsa an al qawa. Who can do it? Who can stop their nafs? Who can stop it even when it just, remember I told you, hawa, just it begins. Who can step it down? That person who feels fear. This is in the heart. We can be the biggest speaker, biggest orator. The test is at home when we're alone. It's in the heart. What are they afraid of? That day, Yoma. Hmm? It's that day, Yomalayatumal. It's that day, Maqam. is the day they will stand in front of Allah. Hmm? It's a feeling. <laughs> we lost that feeling. We are fearless. We are fearful in public. We are fearful in public. We have become fearless and private. It is amazing that we do that sin in our own home, in our own room, under the roof that Allah Ta'ala gave us that roof. <laughs> Out of the whole places on planet Earth, the one place Allah gave you, your home, in your room, you do the sin. Imagine. And when you do that sin, at night, at midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., looking at the screen, what is this time? Midnight, 1 a.m., this is the time when the Mir Kareem so used to get up. Yes, and you go to Medina Manara, you see Isha's always early there. 8 p.m., 7 p.m., when he used to wake up half of the night, that's around midnight, 1 a.m. At that same time of the night, when Sayyidina Rasulullah Wasallam used to wake up and cry in dua for his ummah, at that same time of the night, the young and middle-aged Muslim men are doing sin on the screen in the privacy of their own home. Same time. Why? Because we lost the feeling. We lost the feeling. It's crazy. It's crazy. He's educated. He's talented. He has beautiful wives. He's given him children. He can't control himself. The early believers, the night used to make them remember Allah. The night used to make them fear of Allah. See, I tell you, just fix your nights. You fix your nights, Allah will fix your day. Believe me. (laughs) You have to fix your nights. Most of our problem is what we do at night. And Shaitani knows that. That's when nighttime, prime time entertainment, nighttime, he also knows. He also designed the system accordingly. Sin is in the night. He knows it. Sin is in the night. Sahih Bukhari told us that look, if you don't have something about deen, something of worth to do, 
just go to sleep after Isha. Don't talk. There shouldn't be gatherings. It's <laughs> perfect, pure sunnah for pure fitra. Pure hidayah. We're not muftadun. Muftadun of Quran means the person who is guided by the guidance. This is our problem. Hmm? You know, it's like if you have that sat nav. Huh? And you just don't listen to it. <laughs> That's what we are. We're not muftadun. We don't listen. Even if you just sit alone, especially I tell with love to my young friends here. If you could just do Amr on this one sunnah, hmm? after you pray Isha, if you have something worthwhile, maybe your studies, maybe some project you have to do for work, maybe spending time with your family, maybe some halak of ilm, maybe some ibadah, learning deen, maybe If there's none of the above, you just go to sleep. View that sleep as safety for you. Hmm? It will save you from the sins that people do at night. But this feeling of fear is what is the cure for the person who has the diseased heart. Khair, so the last heart to tell you because we're running out of time, but obviously that is very important to tell you. That is Kalam Alhamdulillah, there is a third heart. There is their heart. There is their possibility. Yes. Don't have to be in one or two. Hmm? Another way Allah says, What is that? Munib, Inaba, they yearn for Allah Ta'ala. They're yearning for Allah Ta'ala. They're loving Allah Ta'ala. So rather than tell you the signs for that, sign you can just imagine anything and everything in being. And very quickly I just want to tell you how you can get this Kalbun Salim. Without that, it won't be complete. Hmm? That's the main thing is how to get this Qalbun Salim. So I will just tell you three things. I think you have Isha at what time? If you just give me the time, then I can plan a go in there. 10.20. I should stop at 10.20? 10.20. I should stop at 10.15? 10.15. Okay. So very quickly then, three ways to get Qalbun Salim. Again, it's about feelings, alright? It's going to be about feelings. Number one feeling you need is love for Allah SWT. You must get that love for Allah SWT. More and more and more love. It's unending, unlimited. There is no limit to how much a person can love Allah SWT. Ashadu Allah. This love for Allah SWT comes, number one, by reflecting on those ayat in Quran where Allah SWT has described His relationship with us. You should get your ulama to teach you these ayat. <laughs> For example, Allah tells us in the Quran, Allahu waliyu ladhina aman yukrihum min al-gurumati il-gurum. Those of you who are familiar with Quran, so many places Allah Allah says, Alladhina amanu wa amanu salihah. Alladhina amanu wa amanu salihah. Those who have iman and do good deeds. But when Allah Ta'ala wanted to express that He is the lover, the wali, the friend, He dropped that second condition. He didn't say Allahu Waliyuladina Amun wa Amun Salaha. He dropped Amun Salah. Allah Allah is the Wali of Allahina Amun. But you have Iman, Allah is your Wali. And Allah is even more clear here, you're not doing Aman, you're in Dulamat. Yukhrijahum minal Dulamati in the Nur. Allah will take them out because He is their Wali because He loves them. All they have is Iman, He loves them. Allah will take them out from darknesses into Nur. Darkness is in the darkness of depression, darkness of sin, darkness of ignorance, darkness of misguidance, into nur, nur of hidayah, nur of taqwa, nur of sunnah, nur of deen. 
should be happy. This verse itself should make you fall in love with Allah. Allah is my buddy. <laughs> because Allah, all of us are Allah dina Whether we're salihin, muttaqin, Allah But Allah dina amunu, yes, this is what we, all of us are this. Allah is my buddy. You should just think about this. This should make you happy and joyful all day. Allah is my buddy. Me? I'm nothing. Ya Allah, you ought to be my buddy. Allah says in Quran, huwa ma'akum aina ma'kuntum. But he's with you wherever you are. His companionship is with you wherever you may be. Ya Allah, your, your mercy is with me, your help is with me, your guidance is with me all the time. Allah says in the Quran, فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Don't think I'm a distant companion, near. I'm intimately near, close to you. Allah says in the Quran, وَنَّحْنُ أَقْرَبُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِ We're even closer to you than your own self. Allah Ta'ala is saying so much love to us. In fact, literally Allah says in the Quran, يُحِبُّهُمْ وَيُحِبُّونَهُمْ يُحِبُّهُمْ Allah loves them. Allah said it first. يُحِبُّهُمْ means believers. Allah Ta'ala loves them وَيُحِبُّونَهُمْ and they love Him. Allah Ta'ala. What you're getting one-way love from Allah, you just make it two-way. It's so easy. Why not love that Allah Ta'ala back who already loves you? So easy. <laughs> Such a beautiful deen. Hmm? Compare this philosophy of life or compared to the other one that we're an accident and we're descendants and Even just the two, three words of Quran, you just recite them to yourself. You taste them. You feel them in the day. You will love Allah Ta'ala. You will love Allah Ta'ala. It's natural to love Allah Subhanahu hmm? so The poet, the, you see the philosophers of the world, they only get it partially correct. They said to be human is to love. So in New York English, you must have it also. We have something we call the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Hmm? So to be human is to love, that's the truth. It's not the whole truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. To be human is to love Allah. That's not to be human. Ya ibn this feeling of love. Hey, our second feeling is feeling of fear. That I already explained to you. You must have this feeling of fear for Allah subhanahu wa Must have this feeling of fear for Allah subhanahu wa And third one, and then that will be the last thing I'll be able to tell you tonight. But for feeling of fear of Allah Allah says, don't fear them. Allah Ta'ala says, fear only me. You should have no other fear. No abstract fear. You shouldn't be afraid of the future, afraid of what will happen, afraid of what people will say, afraid of none of that. And the third thing, and these two have to be an extreme. Love Allah truly. Fear Allah only. And the third thing to get pure in your heart is about others. To forgive others truly. To forgive others truly. This is another major teaching of Deen. A whole separate topic. But here this, I will just recite one verse and one hadith. That you should respond if somebody does something evil to you, something wrong to you. This is the thing, because many times people, they don't forgive, they have grudge. Why? Because, because that person wronged me. 
that they say, I'm justified, I'm justified in being angry, I'm justified in being upset. Allah teaching us in Quran, no, you're not justified. <laughs> you might be justified, but you should forgive the other person anyway. That's called rahmah. You see, the Prophet told us, irhamu, you should have mercy to those who are on earth and Allah will have mercy to you. What does rahmah mean? Rahmah means to have mercy, means to forgive someone even though they wrong you. This is what we want. We sinned against Allah Ta'ala. What do we want in the day of judgment? Allah, I want you to forgive me anyway. This is called rahmah. I want you to forgive me anyway. So deen teaches us we have to forgive somebody else anyway. So what will happen if we do that? That the person that between you and them there was enmity, hostility, even hatred. If you do good to them, even though they do bad to you, what will happen? That they will be like your intimate, your wali, your intimate dear companion. And this is the sunnah of the Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So this is the hadith I wanted to end on on this night. And this is a beautiful hadith narrated by Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik. And he is that young boy that when he was 10 years old, his mother presented him to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and said, I want him to be your khadim, your attendant, your companion, your assistant. And Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu accepted him. Can you imagine how that mother must have raised and their mother's here tonight? How she must have raised that 10-year-old boy? Now, there's no mention of this indeed, but when I imagine it, I think she must have been making so many du'as all those 10 years. How she must have done his tabiyah that I'm going to present him to the Prophet And then, he lived with Nabiya Kareem until the Prophet passed away 10 years from the ages of 10 to 20. So this is 20-year-old boy. First 10 years raised by a mother like that, and next 10 years companion with Nabi like that. And he, according to some historians, Ibn Hajar, Asqalani, and others, he was the longest living Sahaba. He lived for 103 years. And he was the last Sahaba to pass away. According to some of these Muhaddithin who also dabbled in history. Allah. But no doubt, he taught thousands of Tabi. Because he was that Sahabi who lived for so long. So one hadith that he mentions, and I just translated it for you now. Ya Bunayya, the Nabi Kareem Sultan told him, Oh my beloved son, oh my kind son. In Kadarta an that if you are able, an tusmiha wa tumsi, that every morning and every night, every morning and every night, that if you can make it such that every morning and every night in your heart there is no bad feeling for anyone, no malice, hatred, envy, jealousy, grudge, resentment, if you can do that. If you can do that, so then the Prophet That, oh my son, my beautiful, beloved son, that is my sunnah. That person who has loved my sunnah, that person has loved me. And that person who loves me will be with me in Jannah. Hmm? Look at this. This is also to have a pure heart, is to purify your heart from bad feelings towards other people. So love for Allah, fear of Allah, and no bad feelings for other people. You start with these three things, and if Allah ever brings us together, we'll continue this discussion on how to get to pure heart.
May Allah Ta'ala accept this from us, that you grant each and every one of us a heart that is pure, a heart that is true, a heart full of taqwa, sunnah, haya, dhikr, sabr, shukr, tabakkul, all of the sifat and the mu'mineen that Allah Ta'ala mentioned in the Quran al-Kareem, wa akhir al-Ra'wana, and alhamdulillah,
love for you, he has kind of some might that love for you. The same fear of you that he had, kind of might have some fear of you. The same cover he had, the same kindness he had, the same gentleness he had. Then if we bring forward the sunnah feelings into our hearts, then if we bring it to true Mustaqeen, true Salihin, true Zabirin, true Muslimin, then if we bring Thank you. 